Welcome to the Over Beers Podcast. I'm Freddie Clark. Craft beer is popular. However, to many, it can still be a mysterious product that people misunderstand. Lots will say, I don't like craft beer. After trying maybe only one or two that don't agree with their palate. People have many different tastes, many different likes and dislikes. And like any other food, there are many different types of beer with a variety of different tastes. Some may find the sheer number of beer, styles, and breweries overwhelming and just not know where to start. The goal of this podcast, Over Beers, is to remove some of the mystery behind the term craft beer, bring you conversations with professionals in the world of beer, help explain some of the terms in beer, and more importantly, introduce you to different styles of beer so you can experience the world of flavors that exist in craft beer. Come on along. Later in today's conversation, we're going to be talking about lagers and ales. They represent the two families of grain-based beverages known as beer. While younger in years than ales, lagers represent around 9 of 10 beers consumed around the world today. The main difference between the two are the types of yeast used to ferment the wort into beer. There are ale yeasts and lager yeasts. Ale yeasts ferment at warmer temperatures, while lager yeasts ferment at cooler temperatures. Lagers also ferment slower and produce fewer byproducts, creating what some feel is a cleaner and crisper taste. Ale yeasts ferment on the top of the wort, or top fermenting, while lager yeasts ferment on the bottom, or bottom fermenting. The name lager comes from the German word lagern, meaning to store. You see, lagers usually need a maturation period, also known as lagering. While ales were originally a creation from England, the craft beer revolution in America embraced ales and made them a cornerstone. IPAs and pale ales are, of course, ales, and pilsners are a prime example of lagers. Each style could be light or dark, come in a variety of different tastes or flavors, and neither have a higher or lower alcohol content inherently. In today's conversation, I went over to the famous Asbury Park on the Jersey Shore, the home of Tilly, the Boardwalk, Convention Hall, and Dark City Brewing Company, Asbury's very first brewery. I sat down in their tap room with their founder, Kevin Sharp, to talk about how Dark City got started and how he got involved with beer. I grew up in Freehold. Okay. Uh, that's where I did all my schooling and everything, so Monmouth County, born and raised. Um, but my parents have had a shore house in Bradley Beach, so very, very near uh, Asbury Park for about 25 years. Okay. Um, living by the beach in the summertime, and then after college, I was down here all the time. Right. Okay. And I haven't left since. You haven't been. All right. What got What got you? Uh, what got you <clears throat> the beer bug? What got you into beer? Um, I drank a lot of it in college, mm-hmm. as most do, right. but uh, it wasn't... Good stuff or crap? No, 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 no. <laughs> it was it was crap. Yeah. It was a lot of crap. Um, and it was weird because I, I knew a couple buddies in my, like, townhouse development who were homebrewing, mm-hmm. and I would try it and be like, oh, what? Right. what is that? Why wouldn't you just drink the stuff that's already available to mm-hmm. you? Um, but I was fascinated by it. I was fascinated by the, the science that they were... That was that were just doing it in their kitchen, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of temperature control and recipe creation. It was like baking, and I've always been fascinated with cooking and baking and just flavor mm-hmm. and creating things. Um, most of my creativity up until 
getting my first homebrew kit was in web design or music. Okay. Um, and that's what you went, that's what you went to school for? No, no? I uh, I went to school for psychology. Weirdly enough. Okay. How many people go into one thing in college that end up doing that very thing? Oh, I changed my major like four <laughs> right. times. I was in college for for five years. Okay. Like Van Wilder, but. <laughs> I hope I hope your college life was exactly like that. <laughs> it was it was pretty similar. Good. Yeah, good good for you. All right, so college, uh, get out of that web design. So you're still not brewing yet. No, no. Um, I got out of I got out of college, and all of my friends had like everything figured out. They had mm-hmm. full time jobs. They had all this money to go out drinking and do all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life and I couldn't afford to go out drinking with them. Mm-hmm. So I saw on Groupon this uh, homebrew kit for just a couple five gallon buckets and it came with one recipe box. It was a uh, it was a red ale. Okay. And I enlisted a friend of mine who to come by and help me out with it and we were gonna get into brewing and we were gonna do do all this crazy stuff we're gonna make beer at our house because he had done mr beer stuff in the past so mm-hmm. i was like this guy's gotta know right right he's, he's my an guy. expert <laughs> yeah and he came he came out and was like this is way too complicated for me he ended up leaving me hanging midway through the brew day okay <laughs> so had to think on my feet and figure it out for myself which is pretty much everything that we do here all the time there's always some sort of new hurdle you need to come up with or a new thing you need to MacGyver your way out of. Mm-hmm. So I learned early, like you're, there's a lot of thinking on your feet involved in brewing. But I finished that red ale, I bottled it up, and it definitely got infected, <laughs> but I drank all of it. Okay. I, every single time, then I just got obsessed. I was like, I need to do a new beer, I need to get it, I need to get it right this time, because mm-hmm. I still drank that one, and it, I made alcohol, which is half the battle here. Um, so I started making my own recipes right off the mm-hmm. bat, brewing extracts still uh, in my parents' kitchen. I'm and sure they loved that every minute yeah, of it. You know, my, my, dad, my dad didn't hate it. <laughs> okay. My mom definitely didn't like it. Uh, she didn't like the smell. Yeah. Uh, so then I got obsessed with it. I started making my own recipes. I started trying to do things with the beer that would bring my friends away from the bars that they were going out and drinking and to come to me to try it. Okay. So uh, the, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And it, they started to catch on a lot. Of, like I never did the same thing twice. I ended up just continuously getting more buckets and brewing bigger batches and splitting them and always doing one standard issue and one weird treatment or either a different yeast or adding a fruit or a different hop to it okay. um, to see what, what happened and what would change and really started learning about the fun things you can do with beer that way um and i never never brewed the same thing twice until so you, people were so like not one favor just no, expanding always, and, and trying always try something new try something weird okay um i never even brewed a traditional ipa uh i don't know why <laughs> but i never did well depending i mean the ipa i mean growing up for me that's all we make now. That's all you guys drink. Right. But, but when I was growing up, it was like, what's an IPA? You know, I mean, it was, yeah. you know, we were, it was lagers. It was light Pilsner type of stuff. It was never anything that hoppy. The hoppiest thing I drank in college was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Right. Okay. Now, like Torpedo was, was too much was for too me. Much. Okay. Stone was, was too much for me. Okay. And like Yingling and Keystone were like 
they were my best friends. Right, okay. Well, there's a few years between us. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale wasn't even an option for me then. So it was, uh, my, in college, we, I went to SUNY Geneseo. We were right by the Jenny factory. So that's awesome. That would, in, in some ways, yes, very, very cheap, but. Dangerous. Very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so brewing in your house. Um, for your friends, you're getting a social life again because all your friends are coming to see you now. What was the leap between a hobby, a social activity, to saying, "Hey, I want to do this. I want to make this a. I want to make this a career, and I want to create something." Uh, it all started off by getting obsessed with the creative aspect of it. <laughs> like, if I bought, if I bought more carboys, I could make more varieties, and I could try more things, and I could have more weird stuff than you can't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, so I bought more carboys, I bought more buckets, I switched over to all grain, uh, I built a, a weldless rig with three burners and hard-piped uh, copper gas lines and pumps built into it and a chiller built into it. I got real serious with the equipment mm -hmm. and I basically had like a production brewery that was running at capacity with like six carboys, six buckets, uh, I started kegging um, and bottling off of kegs and it's sort of just the quality expanded from there the the fact that you it was coming out decently and you couldn't get it anywhere else was appealing to my friends and they some of them friends and family were like you should try to do this mm -hmm. like you don't have any other sort of direction right now like <laughs> you're not going to be a psychologist you hate school you're not going to go back, back to do anything with that um, and like web and graphic design is fun. It's nice to freelance and pay the bills, but you don't want to be like a bartender mm -hmm. and a freelance graphic designer your whole life. So had you already graduated with all that equipment from your mom's kitchen or was it basically still in mom's house? It, it went from the kitchen to the backyard. Okay. All but right. that, was, that was pretty much it. Okay. Um, and then fermentation happened in the basement because the basement is a steady, perfect temperature. Temperature for it, yep. Uh, and then I got a... Uh, a temperature controlled refrigeration thing so I could ferment colder, ferment warmer and maintain more consistency and <laughs> Were you there, doing lagers as well as ales back then or was it no, strictly ales? just ales. Just ales, okay. Just ales. Always wanted to do a lager but my kegerator seemed to always be full of beer instead of having time to to throw a bucket gotcha. with a lager in there. Okay. It's on my list though. Now, Dark City started in January 16th? Yep. Yeah. And we, got our, we got our license December, late December of 2015. We started brewing that day. That day, okay. How long was it in the planning process before that? I would say probably three years. Three years it took? I had, I had homebrewed since like getting out of college in 2010, and three years into the obsession, um, we started to get the ball rolling get towards ball this. Rolling. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so I guess when you came, when you started, I mean, the, the laws in Jersey were a little more lenient than they were prior to, what was it, 2012, 2013, when they changed everything. Yeah, there okay. were um, there were a couple local breweries nearby that I had gone to and just, like, looked around and saw their production and asked a bunch of questions and picked everybody's brains right. and sampled all these styles. Um, and was like, these are really good. Right. But you didn't work at any others. It was just picking, no. picking brains and, and asking yeah. questions. And Okay. 
there was a lot of just walking around, sponging things mm-hmm. up, trying more experiments at home, going out and buying things off the of shelves and sampling and a lot of R&D, a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I subscribed to like every brewing magazine that there was. Okay. Just to see what's what the trends were, what people were predicting to be doing and, and things of that nature. So it became like a job. Right, right. And, and job. then when we got the space, uh, it became a different job. I turned into a general contractor. Right. Which was which was exciting. I'd never okay. done it before. There was always a new thing going on every day. And there still is now that it's open and ready for business, but like ripping apart pallets and building a pallet wall, digging trenches, um, doing in Photoshop, taking my graphic design skills and sort of mocking up different ways to put the equipment in. And I was doing like to scale size mockups and bouncing them off industry friends and off okay. the engineers. And that was uh, the layout that we have in there right now is version four. I tried, <laughs> okay. I tried several different things and I think, we, I think we got it. As far as the space we have available and the process flow and room for expansion and stuff. How many how many barrels are you brewing right now? Um, we have a seven barrel system with three 15 barrel fermenters. Uh, we're probably predicted to hit a, just around 1,100 barrels this year. Okay. Um, the first year we we got off to a little bit of a slow start. Didn't have all the recipes we wanted to put mm-hmm. into the tanks. We ended up doing some contract brewing for people. Uh, so we were around just under 700 barrels year one. Okay. Are you still doing a lot of contract coming in or no? Oh, no. We are, our three fermenters are full all the time with our stuff. Okay, we've, good. We've hit that. And you have room Mark. to expand from what you have today? Yep. We're, um, we're looking at buying two or three more tanks very soon. Uh, we've been canning a lot. We're trying to up the, the production that hits shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, but also maintaining all of our draft accounts. It's it's a delicate balance when you only have three tanks to right. to put these beers into. Um, but well, well, I am seeing you around. I'm yeah, seeing you in the stores, so I'm seeing the cans. It's a struggle, but we yeah. are we're spreading it all over as best we can. Gotcha. We got one van, one driver, and <laughs> we're putting them to work. Put, I don't I see you. them a lot. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, okay, so this space we're on Main Street and Second Avenue in Asbury Park. Now, knowing that you did grow up coming down here, I mean, was there, was Asbury where you wanted to be? Was it just happenstance, was it luck? I mean, what, why, why Asbury Park? Um, Asbury Park was, was absolutely where it had to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even though I grew up in Freehold and Freehold didn't have a brewery either, I didn't really see myself being the first brewery in Freehold, I didn't want to be the first brewery in Freehold. Freehold's vibe didn't fit what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time going to Asbury Parks, uh, different concerts and things, spending time by the beach, eating in all of these different restaurants. As soon as I was old enough to drink, I was drinking in all these different bars and trying these craft beers and um, experiencing all these really creative cocktails, going to my friend's art gallery openings and uh, my friends' concerts and just like really drinking in all of that creativity, mm-hmm. and that is what made me decide like these beers that I'm making are are relatively creative, um, and I want to be part of a creative community. I want to 
accentuate Asbury Park's creativity, and I want to do it in a form that hasn't been done before, mm-hmm. and that was the liquid right. form. Okay. Well, and you also wouldn't be the first New Jersey guy to grow up in Freehold and make their bones in Asbury then. Yeah, I actually went to the same <laughs> high school as Bruce. There you go. It wouldn't be uh, an interview <laughs> if Bruce didn't get brought up. <laughs> he hasn't well, been in here yet. He hasn't been in here yet. Well, maybe hopefully that will change real soon. He's coming. He's coming. Um, and how did you land on the name Dark City? Um, we landed on the name Dark City because it's a it's a nickname for Asbury Park. It's actually recognized um, by the federal government when we try to get a trademark. They said you can't get a trademark because it's regionally descriptive. Um, so it's actually an official nickname for Asbury Park, uh, and it was it's from a, a darker time in Asbury Park's history um, where it got this nickname. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of really great commercial stuff going on it was a really cool town with amusements and things all along the boardwalk it was booming for a while and then the parkway was created uh in the late 40s and then monmouth mall was opened up in the 50s so the commercial aspect of asbury started started to uh take a hit from that and people being able to go up and down the parkway instead of train directly into here and go to lbi and atlantic city and wildwood and uh go to the monmouth mall to do their shopping Uh, Asbury took a hit, so Mm -hmm. there were some, the town sort of started to decay. Okay. Uh, So that's where we, we got the name Dark City from, that's where the town got the name Dark City from, and we wanted to just pay homage to that and recognize that the town is a resilient place, the town is a creative place, the town is, is back. Right. And it has its own beers now. Two breweries are here now. Yes. Which is awesome. Yes. Second one down the street. If, If somebody walked in here the first time and said, you know walked out the door and what would you want them to take away? Um, I think what I would prefer to take away be would be the um, the variety that we keep on tap. Like we're we started off just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks because there was a lot of other breweries in the area who had like IPAs locked down like for the first probably six or seven months we didn't even brew a regular IPA Mm -hmm. because it it had been done we wanted to put things out for the people to come here and try or to put things out at bars that they they had a need for that it wasn't already filled up so our our IPA and our biggest selling beer right now is a charrette it's a Belgian style rye IPA it's it's very complex it's still an IPA at the end of the day it's it's not a Belgian style beer it's very Americanized but it's sort of what the people wanted, but a very different take on that. That's number four in your flight right there. Okay. Well, since we're talking about it. It's it's an interesting beer. Um, and it's changed over the 12 or so times that we brewed it since we opened, but I think we locked it in. It's, it's dialed in, and it's starting to catch on. Okay. So when you do start a beer, you will tweak it, mess with it. Yeah, there's it. always tiny adjustments. There's so many things that you can tweak mm-hmm. that'll make a that'll make a difference. We've changed yeast providers. We've changed our base malts. We've changed our water treatments. Um, we've changed the, the hopping schedule, the dry hopping amounts. There's a lot of fine tuning that goes into this. Yep, it doesn't just go from pilot batch to big batch in one one, one turn one shot. Right. I definitely, you can definitely, the rye is there. It, it's, it's an, you're absolutely right. It is an IPA, but it is definitely different than your, than your standard, yeah, West Coast style IPA, definitely. Yeah, so it's, it's rye, 
um, Belgian Belgian yeast. So there's a little bit of spice that comes from the yeast. There's a little spice that comes from the rye. We also get the banana esters from the yeast, mm-hmm. and we pick the hops. Um, uh, El Dorado, Urillo are the two primary hops in this. So we're getting a lot of tropical fruit, some pear, and a little mm-hmm. bit of spice from those as well. Yeah. As it warms up, it changes entirely, but it's it's an interesting journey f- from start to finish. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. That was excellent. Where do we go? Where are we going a, next? I picked a flight of my four favorites. Okay. Um, this is a four favorites uh, all time. Okay. So number one, Bond Street Brownie is a 5% American brown ale uh, with some oats in it. We don't call it an oatmeal brown ale. There's not that many oats, but it's got some oats in it. This was the first beer we ever brewed. As soon as we got our license on December 17th, we threw this in the tanks immediately. Mm. It was... It was just a beer that it was one of the first beers that I was working on. Um, there's a lot of like session beers out there. Most of them are, are hop forward, mm-hmm. but there's like a whole, a whole contingent of, of malt heads that mm-hmm. really don't get any sort of appreciation in this IPA heavy market. So we wanted to brew something that was like roasty and chocolatey and, and dark, but also you could drink. A, a thousand of them right and so this is our session malt bomb it's it's changed uh, a few times as well but this and charette are our two biggest sellers right now so they're year-round you do these all the time yeah yeah and just sometimes on like a, a cold august night like we've been having recently that's the go-to beer right yeah, there definitely definitely that is very nice and like you said the malt is it, the malt is prevalent and yep. it's it's a nice switch nice it's, yeah it's not an english brown it's an american brown there's some yeah. there's a little bit of bitterness there that uh, it's welcomed so you do get a little bit of hoppiness to it but it's all it's all just light crushable malt okay and then next up we got summerfield we're looking yeah, at here summerfield i picked a pretty interesting variety here mm-hmm. um summerfield is is a beer that took a little while to get people to catch on because it's it's sour. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of fun brewing sours here, and we've it took us a long time to to do the first one. We didn't really know how to do it, but it came out really well, and it was really really well received. Mm-hmm. So we've honed our our procedures in here to try to make it as efficient as possible, and now we try to keep it sour on all year round. Yeah. Uh, so this is a it's a Berliner Weiss, so it's pretty wheat forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of haze to it because of that. We sour it with a uh, kombucha scoby, so like a lot of lactobacillus. Many different strains of lacto mm-hmm. are in that, but there's a whole bunch of other yeast and bacteria in there. So we just let, we throw a bunch of kombucha scoby in there. Let it do its thing. Let it do its <laughs> thing um, for 48 hours, sometimes 36. We're typically... The culture is pretty efficient now, so it's definitely sped up. Sour it, boil it off, and run it through our clean tanks, and then we we dry hop this one with Cascade and Eldorado. So it's got like a really nice citrusy tartness, but it's also pretty lemony and floral. And on a rainy day like today, it takes you to like a, a summery place. Yeah, definitely. Now, you're doing other things with the Summerfield, too. So you'll mix it with different fruit and different yeah. things to, to change it up a bit. Yep. We um, we threw blackberries in it once, just because 
the batch that came out wasn't that wasn't as tart as we would have liked it to, but we didn't want to cheat and add any lactic acid into it to potentially overdo the, mm-hmm. the sourness or the tartness. So we just threw a bunch of fruit in it and people went nuts for it. Okay. It was a beautiful pink color. The raspberries added some tartness to it. And it was a fun experiment. Mm-hmm. And now we haven't stopped throwing fruit in it. We did a mango one. We do a cranberry goza. We did an apricot goza. We're all over the place. Right. Mm, very nice. And then number three here is Boom Roasted. Yeah, so this is our um, our spring and summer seasonal uh, coffee collaboration with the roastery that we share a wall with. Okay. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't include one of our coffee beers because she, she hooks it up. She's like a coffee wizard. Um, it's really easy to make a good coffee beer when... You don't have to think about the coffee side because you can just show her the you can have her taste the finished product you can show her the the tasting notes or like the spectrum of flavors you're going for and she can pick roasts that complement pick roasts that contrast and then we we fill growlers and just put a couple ounces of beans in each one let it sit overnight and then see what happens okay now what's 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 their company next door? The Asbury Park Roastery. Asbury Park Roastery. All right, very good. So we just did our first canning run of a collaboration with her. Uh, this beer, it's a coffee IPA. There it is. Yep. And it's subtle. It's it's doesn't hit you right away. A lot of times the coffees are very forward. Yeah. This <clears throat> this one comes in we, secondary even. We wanted to let the IPA be be shown in there as well Mm -hmm. but we also wanted to showcase our coffee so the way we added it and it's really mostly aromatics um it's very very nose forward it's a light roast coffee and the coffee's uh got a lot of citrus uh, nuance to it Mm -hmm. and then we use my favorite hop which is centennial in here it's a single hop centennial IPA so the citrus comes from there as well and we get sort of like a beer version of an espresso with a twist. Yeah, definitely. That's very nice. And then we do a porter with our coffee as well, uh, okay. fall, winter. Okay. That was the first one we did. So how many how many year rounds do you, do you run here? Um, we have five beers that we, we keep on all year round. Mm, okay. It's the, the circuit, which is like a session cream or blonde ale, which is very light, Mm -hmm. simple, balanced, mass appeal, Uh, the brown ale, the charrette, Belgian IPA, a pale ale, and a double IPA. Okay. And then we rotate sours in, we do like fruited IPAs and things like that. We have an imperial stout sitting in bourbon barrels that we uh, just back there waiting waiting for some cold weather so we can okay. bring that out into the world very excited about that it will probably be any day now then because yeah, the way the weather's been recently um, so I guess for the somebody who may say they're not big into into craft beer coming in the first time your most approachable beer would you say is the circuit if you like light beer I would push you towards the circuit if you like darker beers brownie is obviously um a no-brainer mm-hmm. and then a lot of people come in and say that they they're not beer drinkers at all or they they prefer a cider um and the vast majority i would probably say 
75 percent of them when i pour them summerfield they're like okay i can do this yeah this is very nice well see a lot and a lot of people a lot of places are don't do sours in our area and you you go other places they're everywhere they're everywhere i mean we were in north carolina last week and sours are all over the place yeah. I was yeah, I was just in Virginia um, late uh, this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go down there and see what the beer scene was all about and feel it out. And there were way more sours saisons than I ever would have expected down there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, IPAs are everywhere. Some of them are different. Uh, some of like the the East Coast, West Coast, New England style. Um, there's a lot of different IPAs, which is great. But I did not expect some of the sours that I saw yeah. and some of the the saisons that I saw, and I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by that. It's where you walk into places now where you used to have five IPAs. It seems like it's balanced out now. You may have two or three IPAs, but there are other <laughs> things on the menu. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because we started with. One IPA, and it was a Belgian rye. Mm-hmm. And then we got the double IPA. And now we have a fruit one, a coffee one, a plain one, a double one. We have more IPAs than, than we probably should. But people like them. Mm-hmm. No problem. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Another chance. You can take it. Don't be dumb. No, it's a, it's a telemarketer. Oh, okay. That's all we get. Okay. Gotcha. All right, so we're, we'll wrap up in a minute anyway. So um, going forward, where do you see Dark City in the next year? Where do you see Dark City in the next five years? What are your goals and aspirations for Dark City? Um, we're looking to get some more tanks mm-hmm. so that we can have more fun. Uh, we don't want to do away with any of the beers that we've done so far because they're at, at a year and a half there things are just starting to catch on right now there's always new customers coming in i would say looking at the numbers we are about 60 percent new customers mm-hmm. all the time okay. um 40 returning uh and some weekends like in the summertime the holiday weekends and stuff like that's it's majority new customers right. we're uh, but we want to do more fun stuff. We want to mm-hmm. do fun stuff, not just in here, but out to shelves um, instead of just continuously brewing the same thing, even though we're dialing them all in and we feel really good about them. Um, we don't want to get bored in here. Right. That's why we change the mural every six months so that we have something new to look at every now and then. And we want to be, we want to be brewing more fun, exciting stuff. And we okay. have a couple really awesome ideas and really cool projects in the pipeline right now uh all coming soon okay yeah so we we pilot batch things on the the street series and if people were like seriously into dark city and wanted to see what we were up to just follow what street series are coming out and it's a pretty good pretty good indicator of where where our heads are or what's coming next all right well cool thank you so much hey no problem thank you for having me cheers now you got to drink all these. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Check out darkcitybrewing.com for more information about their brewery, 
Look for their beers at a store near you or visit their tap room on Main Street in Asbury Park. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about the podcast at our blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. You can reach me at cheers at santefoto.com. I'm Freddie Clark, and this has been Over Beers. <laughs>